Praise the Lord. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Now, we're not going to read every verse of this. We'll pick uh, pick around because it's 50. To get to the end of the story, it's 50 verses of Scripture. That's a little heavy, isn't it? Even for us word people. Uh, uh, but uh, we can pick around and find the parts that we really need to piece the story together. This isn't anything new. You know, we could have just uh, named this, um, you know, David and Goliath. I think I named it David and Goliath, another look. And I came up with a, a better title this morning uh, to really look at, at what we want to see. Here's the new title. A giant, a king, an army, a shepherd boy, and God. These are the players in this story. You know, we always think there's just about two. You know, we think about Goliath and his role. You know, he represents the enemy. He represents something coming against us. Some formidable foe that's come against us. And then we have the shepherd boy with his slingshot and his, his sling. Not really a slingshot, but a sling. And uh, five stones, and that the rest is history. And praise the Lord, that's the, there's your Sunday school lesson. And, uh, you know, that's what we get out of it. But there's other players in this thing, and it's interesting to see who they are. And I believe that these players in this story are always a part of our story. These, these other folks are lurking around us all the time. And we need to take a look at them. So here we have a story again, a giant, a king, an army, (laughs) a shepherd boy, and God. And uh, as would be suspected, the end of this whole thing, God uh, gets all the glory and honor and praise. You know, every testimony, no matter what our part is in in faith or in obedience or whatever, uh, God always gets the glory. It's His power that puts us over. Amen? It's His Spirit that puts us over. And so, let's just dig in here and I'll show you some things. Now, the Philistine gathered the Philistines. They're always a problem, aren't they? Somebody should have made some repellent for Philistines because they just are always a problem. You know, Philistine repellent needed to be sprayed, but it hadn't been invented yet. Still working on that one, I think. Uh, The Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in uh, Ephesdamon. Aren't you glad you don't have to pronounce that all the time? And uh, please don't name any of your children after these places because they're not good. You know, this is it's Philistine type deals. And it says in verse 2, Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. So we're getting a picture here of this battlefield. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. So here we have the two armies. There's a valley that's obviously going to be the battlefield. And uh, who's going to blink first? Who's going to make the first move here? Well, actually, the Philistines did. It says there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, 
whose height was six cubits and a span. Okay, so we're going to stop reading there a minute because it just goes on and on and on and talks about all of his warfare. You can read that sometime. All the stuff that he was wearing and how equipped he was and how formidable he was and, and, and so forth. And, and he finally, uh, issues forth a threat as all enemies do. How many know that every enemy has a voice? No matter what it is, it's coming against you. If it's if it's sickness or illness, it has a voice. If it's lack or poverty, it has a voice. Sometimes lack of poverty gets an agent on the other end of it and calls you on the phone. <laughs> and so sometimes whatever the lack is, whatever the problem is, how many know it has a voice? It talks to you. It can keep you up at night, can't it? When you're supposed to be resting and sleeping. Pain has a voice. It wakes you up, causes problems, all kinds of things that come against us. Uh, speak up. And uh, he finally defies, in verse 10, look at that, the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And notice this, when Saul and Israel heard the words of the Philistine. I'm going to talk about this a second. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now remember, we've got several players in this story. Now our focus goes away from the Philistine, from the giant. The shepherd boy hasn't entered the scene yet. And we have left the king and the army. Now you'd think the king and the army together would be pretty good. The nation seems protected. Everything seems good. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like well, everything seems pretty good? Bumping along here, all right, hallelujah, what a wonderful life. And then bam, a giant shows up. You know, Sister Jeannie had that happen to her. She's bumping along, developed a little cough. Next thing you know, she's fighting for her life last year and the year before. And uh, and then, you know, the same with Cherie and others of you here have had things happen. Jackie here in this church, you know, just bumping along fine. And all of a sudden there's bad news. And so, you know, uh, we've all been there. And sometimes we think, well, you know, we've got all of our ducks in a row and, uh, you know, all the eggs in the basket and everything's accounted for. And then it seems like that. Everything that we've depended on until now, uh, you know, no longer has any uh, uh, protection in our life. These people are depending on the king. They're depending on Saul. They're depending on this army. And what does the army and the king do? You can't hardly beat an army and a king. It says... They heard words. All they'd heard is words. They have not, not one arrow has flown. Not one spear has been thrown. Just words. Folks, I'm telling you, words affect us. Amen. Words affect us. And here, they, all they have is they've heard words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Oftentimes we've talked about this this little lesson here in this story. 
And uh, usually we, hopefully nobody's identified, hopefully nobody here is, is one of the Philistines in the church. Amen. <laughs> As the gunfire goes forth. And <laughs> hopefully no, hopefully no one is, hopefully no one is behaving like the the giant and threatening because I'm going to show you why that's a bad thing. And we certainly don't want to be like the children of Israel, but I think oftentimes we find ourselves more like Saul. And I'm going to show you his problem in a, mo- in a moment. His problem was that he was crazy. And I'm going to show you why. I've got Bible proof that Saul was crazy. So we don't want to be the giant threatening the work of God, threatening the people of God. We also don't want to be, you know, part of the problem. We don't want to be Saul who was crazy. I'm going to show you why. And we don't want to be like the army or the Israelites who were just paralyzed with fear. And I think too often that's who we really identify with, to be honest. We all want to be David. Since Sunday school, we ever learned this lesson, we all, yeah, I'm the David. Because it was easy for me to be the David, because that's my name. So I thought that when I was very young, I thought, this is great, I'm in the Bible. I just don't remember the, the giant incident. But, you know, here we are, we're either one or the other of these people. And oftentimes I think we're more like the children of Israel and the army hiding behind the rock or wherever we are and just hoping against hope that something's going to happen to change the situation. And uh, But we all want to be David. We all want to be like that. We want to have that spirit of faith, don't we? We want to be like David. We want to be like Joshua and Caleb. We, want, we don't want to be them all. You'd be surprised at how many people in life want to be the mob. They want to be normal. They want to feel like that they fit in to everything. And there's a danger there because the trouble with it is that 99.9% of people have very little faith, to be honest with you. I heard one preacher say, if you're a person in faith, you'll carry a hundred people on your shoulders. Drag them along. You'll have a problem. You'll have to encourage everybody else. It's okay. It works. But... Uh, you know, we, we've all been there where we're, we're oh, well, uh, you know, at least I'm not the only one hiding behind the rock here. But eventually somebody's got to go out and face this thing. If not, if this problem in your life, if we don't go out and face it, it will come after us. And it will defeat us. But it's interesting. I'm going to show you why Saul was crazy. Anyway, you know. Uh, David is sent out to give the report back to his father. What? Let's, how's the battle going? Somebody said he's delivering cheese pizzas to the to the army. You know, while they're out there deciding who's going to go forth, who's going to go forth. Finally, David asked the question. Well, is there anything in it for me? I think that's interesting, isn't it? They go, well, he was just so humble. Not quite so humble. He wants to know what's what's in it for somebody who faces this thing. 
And they said, well, you get the daughter, and you get some money, and you get favor, and you get, you know, you get upgraded in many ways. And uh, so, uh, oh, so there's something in it for the guy that defeats, besides that we just get to live. Yeah, yeah, there's something in it. There's something in it. So he's thinking about it. What's in it for me? And and you know what? That's not such a horrible thought. We've often thought that, well, in Christianity and humility, we're supposed to kill any desire whatsoever that we have for anything from God. And that's ridiculous. Uh, it's ridiculous because the word tells us over and over and over again uh, about the blessing of the Lord. How many know there's a blessing for faith? There's a blessing for obedience. And uh, and so that's not such a terrible thought as long as it's balanced and it doesn't become greed or doesn't become something, you know, to take away from someone else. So David says, well, there's something in it, huh? There's a blessing if I do this. You know, there's a blessing for defeating the devil. (laughs) There's a blessing for overcoming problems. Praise the Lord. And so uh, David ponders that and he decides he gets all riled up in verse 29. He says, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? He turned and he spoke this and. And then verse 31, when the, her, when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. Now, you notice that so far in this story, we're already in verse 31 and not one, one arrow has flown, not one rock has been thrown. It's all words. Everybody's talking. The giant's talking. The Israelites are talking. Saul's talking. David's talking. Everybody's talking. Everybody's talking. Nobody's doing anything yet, but it's going to change in just a moment. David said to Saul, let no man's heart. Don't you love his passion? Don't you love his his boldness? I want to talk like him. How about you? I don't want to be behind the rock anymore. I want to be the guy out front talking. I said, boy, he's talking big. Yeah, you know what? We need to talk big. The bigger we talk, the bigger something will grow in our hearts. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Because apparently they're about to all pass out over here. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Can you imagine that? He's 17 years old. He's, been, he's not even a part of the army. He's been sent out to deliver some sandwiches or cheese pizzas. Kosher, of course. No ham on it. Just thought I'd let you know. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David... Thou art not able. Now, don't you look. I told you Saul was crazy. Nobody yet has volunteered to do anything. And here the one guy that pops up and says, I'll do it. He tells him why it won't work. I'm going to prove that that Saul is crazy. Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, thy servant 
kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Now, right there you have a clue about something that if Goliath would have had a brain the size of his stature, he would have just turned around and left. Because, you see, the enemy thinks that he's coming just against you, but he's coming against God. David knew a secret that Saul, because Saul's crazy, doesn't know. And the the Israelites, the whole bunch of them didn't know, apparently had forgotten that anybody who threatens one of us threatens all of us. The body of Christ, I'm telling you, needs to learn how to stand with each other. That went over big. We've got kind of an each man for himself attitude about things. Somebody that does have faith that stands up and makes declarations, people look at them suspect. Like, well, I guess we'll see. In other words, I'm not going to invest any faith in in you. If I've got a need, I'll use it for me. I'm I'm not going to stand with you. I don't know what's going to come out of it. But I'll tell you what, what's wrong with investing our hearts? What's wrong with becoming the, uh, the nut about something? You know, when a doctor looks at you and tells you there's nothing really we can do, you're incurable, there's no hope. I've often, I've preached this for years, I said, why don't you just become the fanatic about by his stripes I was healed? What have you got to lose? According to medical science, There's no hope anyway. Why not just become the nut? Become the faith nut. Become the word of faith wacko nut that goes around saying, by his stripes I was healed. Jesus died for me. He bore my sicknesses on on him on the cross. What have you got to lose? Think about that. You got everything to gain. Well, a lot of people don't understand that. You need to explain anything. Why? Where's that in the book of what you have to do? I've seen people that literally gave up their faith to keep their family happy. Gave up their faith to keep somebody that didn't understand. We used to have them come to us, you know, when I worked at healing school in Tulsa for Brother Hagen. And we would have people come to us and they'd say... uh, you know, I've got to go home for Thanksgiving, you know, whether they've been at the healing center. They said, I've got to go home for Thanksgiving and nobody in my family believes with me. They all think I'm crazy. And they all think I should just accept this and, and just, just, just go ahead and, you know, be sick and die. And uh, I don't know what to tell them and they get me off my faith and I don't know what to do. And I said, here's a simple solution. Don't go. Yeah, well, Aunt Myrtle will be offended. I said, well, okay, so go and don't offend Aunt Myrtle. And then, you know, 
deal with it because because uh, it's you know which is more important here you receiving what you need from the Lord or not offending Aunt Myrtle because you didn't show up and eat her sweet potato pie tell her to mail it <laughs> mail your slice well I think that's pretty snotty it's not it's not snotty when you're dealing with life and death that's right. amen. amen. So I like, you know, I like it. I'll tell you what, I, I, I heard just the other day, in fact, uh, Brother Cushman told me this, that, uh, uh, you know, one of our, one of our Church of God pastors in the state, uh, one of the, one of, uh, a son actually had something happen. I think I told you the story a little bit the other week, but had something happen and looked like was it going to make it. And he walked into the hospital and just, you know, made a scene. I loved it. The pastor made a scene at the hospital. I'm not even bold enough really kind of to do that. I'm a little more, you know, well, we'll see. Well, you know, run out everybody and then make a scene. But it's not really a scene if everybody's in agreement, right? You know, it's more of a scene if you have a nervous head nurse. But, you know, walked in and, 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 and made a scene and said, uh, you know, God's going to raise up my son and, you know, just spoke the word and got really bold and just, you know, uh, somebody's on the phone wondering if they should call security. But, you know, the, 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 the victory came, praise God, and, and, and the situation turned around. Amen. And so, you know, there's times that we have to just throw caution to the wind and boldly speak. And say, this is the way it's going to be. Amen. Can you say amen? Yes, amen. And uh, we used to have them say at healing school, well, what if I don't get it? And what if I die? And I said, well, are you saved? See, see, it's like we're not going to go down the gloom and doom road. Somebody said, well, what if I didn't get it and die? I said, well, are you saved? Because I used to say, well, don't say that. Don't confess that. But I finally just said, well, just say what you got. What you got. Well, I'm just afraid I won't make it. I said, well, are you saved? Yes. Well, you'll be in heaven. Paul said that's far better than being here. So just rejoice anyway. Isn't that something? Well, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not easy. No, it's not. nobody ever said it was easy. How many's lived long enough through stuff in life? is Nothing's easy. We're not talking about easy. If you want easy, you know, get yourself a microwave, I guess. <laughs> It's not easy. It's not always easy to be the David, is it? It's not always easy to go out there and fight the battle. It's not always easy to declare the word when it looks like it's not working. When it feels like nothing's happening. When it seems like you're losing. It feels like you're losing. It's not easy. But praise God, that's when you do like David said. You know, he wrote so many of the Psalms. And he wrote and he said, I will praise the Lord. That means as an act of my will, I'm going to do it. And did, did he ever have cause not to? Yeah, read the Ziklag story. You've heard me preach that. He cried till he had no more power to weep. And then he went after the enemy and defeated him. Glory to God. Well, I'm one of those wackos that'll just keep propping you up and telling you to praise the Lord no matter what. Amen. We need it. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
I will praise the David said, I will praise the Lord at all times. My praise, my praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, that's an act of the will to do that, isn't it? Well, yes, if I feel inspired, I only do what I feel like doing. That's a lie. Nobody can hold down a job doing what you feel like doing. Well, I don't think I'm coming in today. I just don't feel like it. Now, we got we got some folks today that kind of think that's normal, but it's not. Amen. I just don't feel like breathing today. I think I'll just let I'll just rest from breathing. Praise God. Well, I wanted you to see a couple of things here. One is that you notice how did David. We talk about words. Now, remember, the words of the Philistine uh, scared everybody until that they're in fear with them from words, just words. David got in faith by words also. You'll notice he recounted the blessing of the Lord. Does anybody here, you know, we won't stop the sermon to take your testimony. But does anybody here have something you could point to that the Lord delivered you from? Has the Lord ever answered your prayer? Has anything ever happened that looked like it was going down the tubes and God turned it around? Sure. Even if even if it's something small or something big, but God has been God to us, hasn't he? Amen. And uh, has he ever met the need when it looked like it wasn't going to be met? Has he ever done things that looked impossible? Has the doctor's prognosis ever turned out different than what they said? Amen. And so David got into a place of battle-ready posture by recounting the blessing of the Lord from the past. He said, the, I, I slew the lion. I slew the bear. He talked about great deliverance from the past. David was smart enough to know it wasn't just his strength that had done this. There was another strength that came. Folks, w- when our strength runs out, the Bible says that when we are weak, then we are strong. Because it's when we realize it's not in myself, it's not even my great faith, it's not my great confession of perfected of the Word, it's not, it's not my years of service to the Lord and all that stuff. It's not that. It's when I realize I can't do this in myself that I open up my heart and I say, Holy Spirit, fill me with Your power. Fill me with Your Spirit. Let, let that be my strength. And let that put me over. And that's when a, that you are able to do the impossible. That's when God's power really shows up. And that's David knew that. He knew, I've got a secret weapon. What is it? Trust in God. Praise the Lord. As the Scripture says, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. We need to live our lives with that. Thank you, Jesus. Careful, I might turn Church of God on you here and shout and stomp a minute. 
from another era of the church of God. They've gotten all sophisticated now. All right. Uh, he said that, and then, of course, the secret is that that the giant didn't know is that he didn't defy just David or just the army, but he's defied God. This thing's fixed. I'm telling you it's fixed. The fight is fixed. God's fixed it. David's no wonder he can have confidence. You can have confidence because it's fixed against the devil. David said, moreover, he keeps talking. This David can talk, can he? He might be a preacher. The Lord, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Now, remember, I told you I was going to prove that Saul is crazy. Here it is. Saul armed David with his armor. This is the beginning of the crazy. And he put a helmet of brass upon his head. And he also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go for he had not proved it. He said, I'm not going with this. David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. But David knew he didn't need them. God had already given him another plan. The reason that Saul is crazy is because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again, expecting new results. These people had been out there 40 days and nights with all this armor, all this equipment, all the conventional means of doing things that had always worked before. And if they had so much confidence in it, how come they didn't run and do it? Why didn't they use it? Isn't that something? Saul doesn't have enough confidence himself. To put all this on and go out there. Yet David, who's the one with faith, steps forward. And then the faithless are going to tell you how to do it. (laughs) Boy, you could go some places there, but you don't. But you have to, you know what you have to do? You have to stand your ground when you're believing God, don't you? You have to say, this is what the Lord has shown me. This is what I'm doing. And uh, you can either believe with me or stay neutral. Kenneth Hagin had a story about a church that he went to to preach. Assemblies of God Church, you know, back there in the 30s and 40s. And uh, he said, pastor said to him, now, Brother Hagin, you're going to be doing this revival here. He says, uh... How much money do you are you believing God for, you know, for your needs to be met, you know, during this revival when we receive special offerings? And Brother Hagin says, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> and the pastor said, Well, why not? He said, Well, because he said, um, I'm I'm afraid I'm afraid it'll just, you know, it'll upset you. I just I don't want to I'm just let it just in fact he said, I'm proving this out, scripture. He said, Don't even hardly say anything, just pass the plate. Just say this offering's for Brother Hagen, and then if you want to give, put in some. If you don't, keep it. Just say that. Well, the pastor said, well, I'll, I'll Brother Hagen, if I say that. 
he said, uh, you won't hardly get anything. He says, well, if that's, the, that's what I get, that's what I get. Fine. This is just the way I want you to do it. Well, tell me. Come on and tell me. He said, no, no. He said, I don't want to tell you. He said, when I get on the last evangelist we had. Now, this was back in the, like I said, the 40s. So, you know, money went further then and then now. So you have to add some zeros to it. But he said, the most we've ever given any evangelist, and that, this guy was more famous than Brother Hagin in the assemblies. And he said, and more flamboyant, you know, probably sang and played the piano real fast or something. Like you had to do back then. So he said, uh, the most we've ever given anybody is $90 for the week. And uh, so he said, you know, that's kind of a guide. You can go by that. And Brother Hagin said, like I said, I don't want to tell you what I'm believing for. He says, oh, come on and tell me. He says, well, I got to have $150. He said the pastor fell over backwards in his chair, took it, put his hand over his heart and said, if the Lord Jesus Christ himself held a revival at this church, I don't think he could get more than $100. Brother Hagin said, well, that's the reason I didn't want to tell you about it. Because now you're in fear. He said, uh, tell you what, brother, you don't try to believe anything. Just stay neutral. Don't fight against me. <laughs> he said, the guy said, well, that's what I'm going to have to do. Well, he's, Brother Hagin said he didn't tell the guy. But midweek, Aretha wrote him a letter and said, you know, some, some unexpected bills have come in. We need 300. Now, he's in a church that the most they've ever given anybody, the famous evangelist that plays the piano real fast, says he's the most he's ever gotten is $90. And here's Brother Hagin now needing 300 from the same church. So he said, uh, he didn't tell the pastor, but when they counted the offering, you know, it was like 340-something. I went over, the pastor said, I can't believe this. This is like a miracle. And uh, Brother Hagin said, well, it helped for you to stay neutral, brother. Praise God. At least don't fight against me. That's like having a Republican and a Democrat in the same house, and they might as well not even go vote because they're going to cancel out each other's vote. You know? So... Uh, I think that what we ought to do is when somebody's believing God, taking God at His word, we ought to encourage them. So often the church feels it's its responsibility to knock it down a notch or two. Talk some sense into somebody. Be reasonable. Well, David, that's what Saul said. This is what's, what I think should happen. David said, I'm not taking your stuff. Your armor. Isn't that wonderful? He said, I'm going to do it. So, like I said, Saul's crazy because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again, expecting new results. And then it proves, historically, Saul really was crazy, wasn't he? At the end, he was really crazy. David said, I can't go with these. I've not proved them. David put them off. Now I want you to notice this, that, you know, finally David took the stones and he, and he uh, ran towards the giant. When he did, the giant got mad and ran towards him. Sometimes 
we will say, well, the minute I stepped out in faith, things got worse. Well, of course they got worse. Because the enemy, he wants to take you on. Sure, I'll come against you. He's already out there threatening. Notice David didn't just stand there and wait. He went after the giant. He identified, this is my enemy. Folks, once you identify the enemy, you might as well go after him. Faith is not an ostrich with its head in the sand. Faith looks the problem in the eye and runs towards it and talks to it. Faith has a voice. What did David say? David said to the, 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 the Philistine in verse 44 is threatening him. He says, come to me, I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air to the beasts of the field. David talked back to the enemy. You need to talk to the problem. Thou comest to me with a sword, listen to this, with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee with a secret weapon that you don't know anything about. I said, aren't you glad we got inside information? Aren't you glad that we know who we are? Aren't you glad that we know who's with us and we're in him? I come to thee in the name. I told Sri the other day, I said, I'm going to start preaching stronger and stronger and stronger in this church on authority and who we are in Christ. Because that's everything. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We're not defeated. We're not cast out. We're not cast down. We're not underfoot. We're not... Pathetic and sad. Amen. That would have been a good time to say amen. amen. I'm going to get one of those signs like they use in TV studios. Applause. Praise. Amen. amen. Yeah, we need that, don't we, Frank? Uh, when Frank says amen, you know you're preaching all right, you know. I come to thee with the secret weapon. Now, folks, this always works. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Now, notice this, whom thou hast defied. Don't take it personally. I don't know why the devil's so mean to me. It's because he's the devil. That's why the devil is like a mad dog. He, he, smell, he, he smells fear and goes after the juggler. He says, uh, and you need to remember this, whatever tax on your life, it's not against you personally. Don't take it personal and get offended. Don't get offended at the devil. Don't get offended at life. Amen. It's not against you personally. It's against God. It's against the armies of the living God. It's against the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. The God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. David knew that victory was in him. Well, we've eliminated the king here. The army's no help. 
Now we're down to three. The giant, the shepherd boy, and God. And, and, and the outcome is up to who? At the end of the day, it's up to God, isn't it? It's what God does that counts. And so, uh, this very large man, this Goliath with a very tiny brain, should have said, oops, I thought I was only coming against a little pack of Jews and this one little dude. And he just said something that should have given him a clue. He said, you have defied the Lord of hosts. The the subject is not the army. The subject is God. He said, the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied, you have defied God. When the enemy comes against us, it's against God. And we know that God, no wonder the word says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. So you're not fighting this in faith and and God's giving you points on your word of faith, faith card, you know, to check off and see how well you're doing. And, oh, okay, you're doing well, you're not doing well, you're walking in love, you're you're not. It's not, that's not it. It's God who's saying, I get it, I will have my vengeance on this. Glory to God. God's behind us. God's with us. This day, this day, we sing, this is the day the Lord has made. It's a God's, God has clocks in heaven and all, in every place it says now. What time is it now? It's now, 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 now. God is a God of the now. It's always now. It's not Someday in the sweet by and by, over yonder, y'all hide and watch, hold your breath, rub, rub your rabbit's foot and cross your fingers and hope, you know, for the best. No, this day. I love that David talked that. This day. Faith is always now. My faith is released in the glad confession. It's mine. I have it now. We used to sing that at healing school. When I prayed, I believed that I received. It's mine. I have it now. Faith is now. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. This is some big talk from a little short guy, you know, for the, with the pizzas. I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. This is some big talk, ain't it? And to the wild beasts of the earth. Started to say something about national leaders. I wish they could talk like this. They used to. Something's happened. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. The point of miracles and the point of deliverance and the point of testimonies is to lift up God and make the devil look bad. You'd be surprised how many churches there are in America that never mention the devil. They never mention what the devil's doing. It's all God's will and God's doing this and God's doing that and God's allowing the other thing. Well, what about the devil? Is he on vacation in the Bahamas somewhere? He might be. But I'm just saying, 
How come they're afraid to talk about the devil? How come they're afraid to talk about spiritual warfare? Talk about authority in the name of Jesus. What's the fear? We are, thank you, Jeannie, we are overcomers. Praise the Lord. And Paul had plenty to say about the devil being under the feet of Christ. And we're his body. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all pray for me to get bolder. We need some, we need some, we need some good authority preaching. Everybody's saying, well, let's pray that God will raise up another Smith Wigglesworth. You don't want a Smith Wigglesworth. Because Smith Wigglesworth could not get a meeting in any church that I hardly know of today. Because he would upset that the board would have to meet first and decide what he can say and not say. Afraid he might offend somebody. You know what he did? He had a guy, Smith Wigglesworth, who was an Assemblies of God preacher from England. He would have a healing line and have people in it. And then the, the guy comes up. It was in the line last night. And he's in the line tonight. And he and Wigglesworth recognized him. And he said, what are you doing in the line? Didn't I pray for you last night? He says, yeah. Well, get out of the way where other people kicked him right in the seat of the pants. And everybody says, we want another. But we need some powerful preaching. No, you don't. You don't like them. You won't like it. Don't pray that because you won't like it. <laughs> you know, all these folks running around in churches with the Wigglesworth book. Oh, this is so powerful. Yeah, it is. But you wouldn't like it any more now than they didn't like it then. Because we want everything to be sort of sedated so that we can just kind of ooze around under the sedation. But I'm telling you what, there comes a time. There comes a time and a place when it's time for war, it's time for battle, it's time to get the victory and cut the head off of that thing. Why did David cut its head off? Because that was what was doing all the yakking. <laughs> Beheading is quite effective to silence the situation. And uh, spiritually, we cut the head off of the enemy. Amen. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. All the earth may know there is a God in Israel. So when we have a testimony of healing, we have a testimony of provision in some way, a testimony of God's doing something, it testifies there's a God who's alive. It proves Jesus is real. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and with spear, for the battle is the Lord's. See, don't forget that. It's not your fight. That's how David won it. He realized this is not my fight. The whole army and crazy Saul thinks that it's their fight. David was the only one that knew it was the Lord's. He said, aren't you glad it's the Lord's battle? The battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, let's read the victory verses. When the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He didn't tuck and run. 
Somebody said recently, have you noticed that our armor that we wear, there's nothing for the backside. It's all in the front, the shield, the breastplate, everything's up front. Why? Because number one, God doesn't give us armor. There are no rules of engagement in the spiritual warfare. We don't give the enemy anything. It's winner take all. <laughs> For one thing, God, ne- God never intended on the spiritual warrior to turn around and run. So there's no need to have something in the back. Secondly, guess who's behind you? God and the Holy Spirit is behind you. Backing you up and protecting you. And the Bible talks about the Lord being our rear reward. The one behind us. And isn't that wonderful? And so we don't ever have to worry about turning our back to the enemy. It's always face forward. Glory to God. So it says here, David hasted and ran toward the enemy or the army to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and with the stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. God has a way, folks. Somebody said once, God has a million ways to deliver you you've never thought of. Have you ever faced a, a giant, faced a mountain, faced a situation, and you said, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. I don't know how I've overcome. Maybe you've been to the doctor and he said, I don't know, we don't know how to cure this. We don't know how to fix this. You've been to the accountant. You got a mess here. I don't know how to get you out of it. Or something else. A legal situation. But you know God has a way. Amen. I said God has a way. Amen. Always. You know you won't find scripture that says give up and throw in the towel. Tuck and run is not in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. So, Shri, why don't you come to the piano? We're going to take communion in just a moment, but we're going to do this part first, all right? I'd like for everybody that wants to participate to just come gather down front here. We're just going to have a time of worshiping the Lord. And uh, and just just press in. You can come stand down front. Just just Let's just press in together into prayer, to, to seeking the Lord, amen, this morning. And say, and say, you know, maybe you've got a situation that looks and seems impossible. You know, I'm believing God with my brother-in-law here. You know, they've moved here by faith and and uh, and, and uh, still needing a house to move into. And uh, the situation just kind of fell apart, what they were going to do. And uh, But God has something wonderful for you. Better than what you, you know, have thought. And and uh, and so you say, Lord, how are you going to do this? How are you going to lead me? You know, God has a way. God's leading Cherie through a journey of, of healing and, and health and blessing. 
And, uh, you know, we sometimes look at all the paperwork and all the stuff that we have on our table or desk and we go, this isn't working, this isn't going to work. But, you know, God has a stone and a sling for you. He's got a way that seems impossible, that, that seems like man can't fix it. Maybe you've got a health issue. Whatever it is today. But I'm telling you, folks, we serve a big God. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God of knowing how to do things. A million ways to deliver us that we have never thought of or considered. So, Father, we just lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just worship Him. Each one of you just seek the Lord in your own way, in your own heart. There's no prescribed method. There's no certain way. Just whatever, however you connect to His voice today. However you connect to hearing from Him. He will guide you. He will lead you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We hear from you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are great. 